This is Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations with hosts Leah Lim and Dr. Anthony Stately. Community Health Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Anin, hello, I'm Leah Lim. And I'm Anthony Stately. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how healthcare in Indian country is responding and adapting beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. Miigwech, and thank you for joining us. Bonjour, Dr. Anthony Stately. How are you doing? I'm doing okay today. How are you, Leah? It's good to see you. I'm good. Yeah, it's nice to see you. I'm enjoying like the second, um, I don't know what this fallish, summerish thing we're having going on <laughs> here. So I'm, I know it's short-lived, but I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, today we're having a conversation with Sashin Goslin, former COVID health coordinator with ACO, the American Indian Community Housing Organization, which serves the Indigenous and BIPOC community in Duluth. She recently left her position in pursuit of her master's in tribal administration and governance at the University of Minnesota Duluth. I have many friends, not many, like I would say a handful of friends who've gone through that um, tribal administration governance program, and they really have loved it. It's most life-changing for them, so... Congratulations yeah. on her and for her and her accomplishments. That's under uh, that's awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take some time to catch up a bit with where we are health-wise in Minnesota. Yeah, the Native community in Minnesota has the third highest vaccination rates, following the White and Asian Pacific Islander populations. However, confirmed cases of COVID among Native Americans in the state has spiked more than any other racial group, so much so that there hasn't been this many cases confirmed since March of 2023. So um, additionally, the rates of hospitalization due to COVID skyrocketed in the Native American community recently. Wow. And the 65 and older age group has the highest vaccination rate. And currently that same age group also has the highest COVID case rates. Yeah. Don't forget that the updated COVID vaccination is available for adults and children ages five and above with options for infants as young as six months old. You can also get your free monthly at-home test kits from the state by visiting Say yes, COVID home test dot org. And if you're experiencing COVID 19 symptoms, you may be eligible to receive treatment at no cost through the Minnesota Department of Health and Q Health's Test to Treat program. You can inquire more by calling 1 844 609 2415. More information on these services is available on our episode page on Minnesota Native News. Also, RSV rates are starting to increase as the colder weather moves in. Be sure to get children and seniors vaccinated against RSV and the flu. And in other health news, the syphilis outbreak in Hennepin County, Ramsey County, and Duluth and the surrounding area continues. Congenital, meaning passed from mother to child during pregnancy or at delivery, is on the rise. Another outbreak in the Hennepin, Ramsey County, and Duluth areas that continues to rise is cases of HIV. In the Hennepin, Ramsey County area, one of the highest case increases was categorized by the state as encampment-related. 
So spread through the shared use of drug paraphernalia or through a sexual partner. Wow, that is a lot going on and going around. Many of it directly affecting our indigenous community here in the metro area and throughout the state. Many of it directly affecting and putting our most vulnerable populations, our elders, our babies, and the unhoused at risk. Absolutely. So we got to remember our motto, be a good relative. So Dr. Stately, as chief executive officer for the Native American Community Clinic, what are you seeing or thinking about? Um, Well, this is a space where NAC has actually, Native American Community Clinic has been sort of operating uh, quite a bit in the last few years. Um, So um, your our listeners probably don't know this and realize, but this is this out the, specifically the outbreak of HIV, probably also hepatitis C and some of the other infectious diseases that are related to um, uh, the sharing of needles, for, and then also um, you know some some of it transmitted through sexual partners have less resources and access to resources like housing, jobs, stability in their lives, living in encampments or living houses. They might do things like engage in, um, you know, sex work to um, make ends meet. These are all conditions that we've been seeing for the last several years. But um, Hennepin County and Ramsey County, at least now for a good, I think, 65 plus months, have been seeing a significant rise in those rates. It's the highest it's been in anybody's most recent um, recollection. Mm. Um, so that's a challenge. And so one of the things that NAT does is it's a pretty robust program we have. We do a lot of street outreach. We have an outreach team that goes out into the community, meets with people in the encampments. We provide testing to them. We provide um, harm reduction um, supplies to them. Um, that includes clean needles, talk to them about wound care, talk to them about um, you know how to keep themselves safe. We d- distribute Narcan so that um, they have a response if somebody's overdosing. This is work we've been doing for quite a while. We recently got some funding to expand that work into more encampments um, and also to expand some of that work into shelters. And so um, it is it is significantly challenging work to do, though. Tremendously difficult work, but important. Mm-hmm. Well, we are hearing from somebody today who is doing her own important work. Next, we'll hear the conversation with you, Leah, and Sashin Gostin, whose passion is to serve her people in Indian country as a sister, an auntie, a relative, community member, and a scholar. You're listening to Minnesota Native News, Community Health Conversations. This program is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Find information about COVID vaccines and boosters online at mn.gov slash COVID-19. Sashin Goslin is Prairie Band Potawatomi and Red Cliff Ojibwe and is the new Indigenous Community Health Researcher at the University of Minnesota Medical School, Duluth Campus. She has worked in Indian Country for the last six years in initiatives focusing on higher education, natural resource protection, and Indigenous health. She is an Indigenous scholar currently pursuing her Master's of Tribal Administration and Governance at the University of Minnesota Duluth. 
Sashin previously served as the Health Equity Director at the American Indian Community Housing Organization, or ACO, where she centered her work on prioritizing the health and wellness of Duluth's Indigenous community. Welcome to the program, Sashin. How are you? I'm great. How are you today, Leanne? I'm excellent. You know, I just feel good. I, I, I got, like, sick for a bit. You know, we get one of those colds that lasted forever and I stopped working out and today was my first workout in like two months month and a half Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's hard to start back up again but I'm feeling some muscles that I haven't felt in a while so I'm I'm optimistic that I'll get back into it so thank you for asking probably a little more than you expected to find out but that's okay, a little bit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, how is your week going? Uh, it's great. You know, I'm I'm having a very crazy week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm brand new to my position at the university med school. So today is my second day. Um, learning all kinds of stuff. Um, last night I went home with a very full brain of information. And it was very exciting because that's exactly what academia is. You know, I'm continuously yeah. learning. Yeah. Um, so crazy week. Uh, you know, I it's amazing. It's it's so crazy. Wow. You said second day? Yeah, second <gasps> day. <laughs> <laughs> so probably still filling out forms and things like that. Oh, my that. goodness. Some trainings. Uh, I can't even, yeah, I can't even tell you how many trainings I have right now. <laughs> I understand. Well, why don't why don't we why don't we go back in time a little bit and set the stage? So you started your career as an environmentalist, and mm-hmm. how did you transition into community health? I feel like it was by chance. Um, you know, in indigenous culture, everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. and I took a chance. I was in environmental protection with the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife for a couple years. And COVID happened, you know, flipped everything upside down. We all went remote, which had it had its perks. But for someone that likes to be around people, like in the physical presence of people, Mm -hmm. that was really tough. And I needed a change. I realized that I couldn't sit at home looking at my computer, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. (laughs) (sighs) And I ended up at ACO. (laughs) Um, I had, I was pretty skeptical about the position. I jumped into COVID work, you know, COVID times. Um, and it was really scary, um, because we don't know a lot about it, especially when I started a couple years ago. Um, and I ran after it. Um, (laughs) I, so I ended up at ICO and I was there about a a year and a half doing direct services, um, with the Duluth community. Um, some of the most vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. And that was the COVID health coordinator position, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. How did you approach that work during the pandemic, working um, in your community there? So I went in with a very open mind. Um, so I always knew that I had a heart for working with people, and I was ready to pour what I had into my position, mm-hmm. and I was able to do that. Um, it really opened my eyes to what we can do better as people, but specifically as Indigenous people. Um, I I gave it everything I had, and I think mm-hmm. um, 
it was a really beautiful experience. Um, it's just the start of that work, I feel like. Um, and it it set a tone, I feel like, in the community around COVID. Um, I worked a lot with um, skeptics, let's call them, um, people that didn't believe in that or didn't want to put resources into that type of community. A lot of it is brown and poor. Um, and it just, it really opened my eyes <laughs> um, in the best way possible. You know, I'm going to continue in health fields because of that work um, in this community. You know, I'm still in Duluth. I hope to still work with a lot of the same people, just at a whole different capacity now. In your community in Duluth around COVID, can you tell me a bit more about what the tone was and that's and how you tried to change that tone? Well, I feel like, you know, in general, um, a lot of people didn't believe in COVID. And it's crazy because a lot of people are dying. A lot of people that die and get very sick are underserved. Um, they don't have the resources that they need. Um, and I think we've probably both experienced this before, but when someone would catch COVID before, they were frowned upon for getting it, and mm -hmm. it wasn't their fault for getting it. Mm -hmm. Like, what in the world? Why would you – it's like you're stigmatizing what COVID is. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy because we have no control over that. Um, but at ACO, the entire organization takes a different approach to how um, they handle any situation, not just on their health equity side. And so being able to integrate our traditions and our belief systems, which is on love, you know, we that's how we view our culture. Um, we want to love each other. We want to respect each other. It's in our teachings. But integrating that belief system into like a public health model that's like all about doctors and hospitals and shots, um, changing that conversation now um, has been able to make a huge difference in this community. It's harshing that tone of we need to do this a specific way. Instead, now it's like, how can I help you on this community level? How can I get my resources directly to the people that need it now mm -hmm. without looking at whether they're housed or unhoused? It's mm -hmm. what can I do better? Um, and it's I feel like it's taking a different approach. You know, mm -hmm. we were very like systematic before and now it's very community orientated. And I think that's what drew me is continuously drawing me to this work is what I can do as a human being to insert our belief systems as Indigenous people into the health field. And then I get to see it live, you know, right here in Minnesota. So congratulations. I see that you are celebrating your second year of sobriety. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Um, part of the changes when I, I want to help the community. And to do that, I want to have a clear mind. And mm -hmm. that meant eliminating any substances that could potentially hinder that. Um, mm -hmm. It was a really hard decision for me to make. Um, alcohol is ingrained in our society. You have a drink for lunch. You can have it for dinner. Literally everything, happy, sad, you name it, people drink. And uh, letting go of that lifestyle was a big step for me. And mm -hmm. um, what I noticed, though, is when I finally just 
done. You know, I had my moment. I'm done. Um, my entire life fell into place. You know, I'm yeah. now a grad student. As a little girl, I didn't think I would ever be in this position doing as well as I am. And I, my career has started at a young age. And I contribute a lot of that to my sobriety. My way mm-hmm. of thinking now is a lot different than what it was before. And that's super exciting. I've always said I look forward to the day when I can tell like my grandkids and my great grandkids that I've been 40 years sober. You know, that moment I cannot wait (laughs) to tell people to celebrate it. Like what an accomplishment. You know, one year was accomplishment, two years. And now it's like, oh, I can't wait to be 40 (laughs) years sober. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sashin, in this, the spirit of celebration, November 10th was a, a year for me. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I feel like mine was, you know, family driven, um, but also work driven, just because I feel like I'm entrusted so much with people's sacred stories that I just want to be clear headed. And I, I don't know, like I before when I did drink, I completely separated it from work. Um, and tried to make sure that there was no overlap whatsoever. But, you know, after some time, I'm just like, you know what, I don't feel like I should be compartmentalizing, you know, every part of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, made that conscious decision. And it's been, it was tough at first, but it, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Like the benefits really outweigh the, I don't know, inconvenience or whatever it was that... <laughs> Um, but recently, you left your position at ACO, the American Indian Community Housing Organization. Great organization. But you are continuing your educational journey by pursuing a master's in tribal administration and governance at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Congratulations. Woo-woo. How did you, why did you decide to go back to school? <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I never imagined that I would go beyond a bachelor's degree. My parents highly mm-hmm. encouraged a bachelor's degree, and I just kind of thought that's where it ended. You know, they kind of like forced me <laughs> to get a <laughs> bachelor's degree, and but I found my way in the in the process. Um, and I just one day I realized that I wanted to keep learning. The best way that I could challenge myself and to help our people was to keep learning. Educational mm-hmm. institutes they were made to assimilate us. And there is a real ugly history with that. And I think about all the time how crazy it is that I'm just flourishing in this system, studying about my people to contribute to our communities to live better lives in a Mm -hmm. system that wasn't made for that. Mm -hmm. And I chose this degree because it, it allows me to stay broad, you know, wherever my heart brings me, (laughs) I can work with my people. And it was arguably the best decision I have ever made. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be graduating in May, which is just absolutely crazy to me. (laughs) (laughs) And what's even crazier is like, I'm not done. Um, My brain is still hungry to learn. And Mm -hmm. so now I look at PhD programs, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. Like how in the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How the heck did I end up here? But it's so exciting. The stuff mm-hmm. that 
you know, I could do or what I can contribute to this society, to our nations, to our people is so exciting. I cannot mm-hmm. wait and I can't, cannot wait to keep going. Right now, I am a full-time grad student and I work full-time. A lot of the reactions I get is I'm crazy. Yeah, Maybe, well. maybe a little bit, but it is like the best case scenario. <laughs> Ambitious, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's like I go into a classroom setting. I learn all this great information. I write tons of papers. And as soon as I leave that setting, I go into the world to my job where mm-hmm. I can implement that information immediately. I don't have to wait mm-hmm. years to be able to talk about this. I'll wait 30 minutes, walk outside the door, and I'm probably going to tell someone something that I learned this day. (laughs) That's the best part of it. (laughs) Excellent. Well, your work then, you recently announced that you were recruited to join UMD's Medical Schools Center of American Indian and Minority Health as the Indigenous Community Health Researcher. Can you tell us, can you tell me a bit about that position? How did you... (laughs) find your way there it's nuts i tell (laughs) you so in my pursuit for my master's degree i have a large project that i need to work on and i want to do something that excites me and that i can follow Uh, so i decided on cultural health i wanted to do a community assessment for an urban indigenous population and understanding what our cultural health is and that was backed by the lack of resources that I think we have as urban Indigenous people right here in Duluth. And um, I just started talking. I wanted to get into any room that would listen to me. (laughs) Um, And that included like state departments, county departments, uh, internally at ACO. And I went to uh, John Hopkins and I also did went to University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up in a room with Dr. Mary Owen. Um, Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Listening to me gab on about my ambitions (laughs) and my project. I needed a little guidance on my project. And after, you know, talking for a while, she's like, would you work here? If I were to get you a job, would you work here? Do you want to work here? (laughs) And it's like, done. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) And we built it. Um, Mm -hmm. This position was specifically built for my interests um, to keep going. It's a shared position for the Center of American Minority Health and also Memory Keepers Discovery Team. So I get the the best of both worlds, both at this center who supports um, med students, medical students here in the university system, but Mm -hmm. also be able to join a research team down at Memory Keepers. So I get the best of both worlds to integrate all of this great stuff at an academic level now. Gosh. Can you tell me again, what is the research topic? It's understanding cultural health from an urban Indigenous perspective. I categorize um, our health. I think there's a lot of different ways to categorize it, but what we talk about is like our typical like medical health, so like hospitals and stuff, so public health. Yep. And um, but for Native people, I think it's a little bit different, right? We still mm-hmm. are in those systems, but we also have like a cultural component, our spiritual component, and that's like integrating our medicines instead of using Westernized stuff. And so mm-hmm. what I see like 
from my perspective as cultural health is it's going to ceremonies and being involved in certain cultural activities on a whole different level. And I think that when I'm integrated in that lifestyle, I live a better life. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if other people think the same thing. Um, so this study is specifically designed to take a look at that. Like, what is this cultural health that I'm talking about? Like, I know what I consider it, but what is the other population seeing it? And directly mm-hmm. putting this study in the Duluth community lets the community members hear. Uh, they, so they specifically get to tell me what their cultural health is. And my hopes is to educate on it. Um, I don't just want to stop at this community study, you know, write up this great report and then goes moot. (laughs) I want to go talk about it. I want to get into these rooms to talk about what our health is. A lot of people don't know about it. They don't think about it if they're not Native. Um, So Mm -hmm. my hopes is to bring better awareness to who we are as Native people, but then how that integrates with this Western medicine. Sure. Well, when I hear you talk about this, I hear you talking about cultural health. But like my my interpretation of that can go um, in different directions. So I'm wondering if that is on purpose. So when we think of how we're doing with our health and integrating culture to be healthier, if that feeds back into the health of culture into the the vibrancy of culture itself, kind of like a loop, like we're practicing more. It's making our bodies, spirits, minds healthier. And since we're also practicing culture, it's making culture healthier mm-hmm. at the same time. Is that what I'm understanding? You just took it to a whole new level. I wasn't even thinking of at first. Wow. But that, <laughs> that makes complete sense. And that's the whole point of this discussion mm-hmm. is understanding that. And you just worded it perfectly. So as Native people, like, you know, we see circles a lot, right? It's on medicine wheels, it's dream catchers, everything comes full circle. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I hope the study to do. And you just put it into words beautifully. <laughs> hey, here we go. Just a tiny citation right at the little, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, that's what I heard from you. You know what I mean? And that's like that, yep, like, yep. more like indigenous interpretation, like perspective that, you know, we can hear in each other's words. Mm-hmm. I love that. With UMD's Medical School's Center of American Indian and Minority Health, um, is there research topics that you're approaching there? So the goal is to stay in urban health. Um, The Mm -hmm. medical school up here is more rural. And so this will be an interesting um, shift in the work. Um, But it's so exciting to be able to contribute like that. You know, they believe in me enough to you know, make this spot for a uh, urbanized researcher in a rural setting to be mm. able to do that. Um, this is pretty open <laughs> um, to what I'll be doing. It's a new opportunity. It's a new experience for all of us. And we're definitely figuring it out as we go. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to seeing your research published in the future. Uh, <laughs> please send me a copy. I will read it. And is there anything else you'd like to make sure we address today? I don't think so. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Chimigwech, Sashin Goslin. Thank you.
Chimigwech Sashin Goslin, artist, master's in tribal administration and governance student at UMD, and community health equity advocate based in Duluth. And thank you for listening today. Chimigwech. I'm Anthony Saley. And I'm Leah Lem. Gigawapamen, and we wish you health. Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Find information about COVID vaccines and boosters online at mn.gov COVID-19. Find more of our conversations at minnesotanativenews.org slash community conversations.